Welcome back to the prequel to the 16th episode of This Film is Lit on today's episode. We're reviewing Everything Sucks. Surprise, we are. Oh, we are. <laughs> I mean, it's the last thing we watched. That's true. Since our last prequel episode, we haven't had a chance to see any new movies. I mean, we could talk about the Oscars if you wanted, but I figured. Meh. Yeah. We'll be reviewing Everything Sucks and then previewing A Wrinkle in Time, which comes out in theaters this weekend. It'll be our first new release, so let's get right into it and talk a little bit about the Netflix original, Everything Sucks. Guys, we're high school now. we got to find our people. Butter my bunghole, okay? We might as well start with something we actually know, right? That's AV Club. I bet once they see one of our movies, the ladies will come flocking. I promise you, there isn't a single female behind those doors. The year... 1996. And boy, and is it. Boy, is it ever 1996. That was, I don't think I even saw, like, like a lot of the lately with the Netflix originals we've been talking about. I don't even think I saw a preview for this or uh -uh. a trailer. They just show up. I guess if I, like, subscribe to Netflix's YouTube account, probably, you know yeah. what I mean, or something, you would see, like, the trailers when they came out. I guess I'm just not tied it, you know, because I guess TV show trailers and especially like sort of out of nowhere TV show trailers aren't like don't get like big releases and go viral trending when they come out like movie trailers do, yeah. especially movies trailers for anticipated movies. So this is another show I had never heard of. The way I even found it was I randomly saw I think his name's Mikey Newman, the guy who does movies with Mikey. Mikey on movie. What is it called? Movies with uh, Mikey. Yeah, it's movies with Mikey. Uh. Which is a great YouTube show if you like the sort of long-form video essays about film. Uh, I believe his name is Mikey Newman on Twitter. But if you just search movies with Mikey, you'll find him. Anyways, I saw him tweet about the show and said he really liked it. And I was like, what is this? And so I went and looked it up and we watched the trailer. And we're like, well, let's watch it. It's only like 10 episodes. You know, we like those 20-minute sort of comedies. It's like a dramedy in this case. Mm -hmm. Um but so it takes place in the 90s, and that's kind of like what their all their marketing was. It's like, it's Stranger Things, but the 90s, also no sci-fi. But like, you know, <laughs> kind of trying to appeal to the sort of 90s side of it, which I think might have been a mistake in the marketing, depending on how much they leaned into that. Uh, well, I'll say a mistake because I think there's a lot more to the show that's a lot more yeah. interesting than just the fact that it's set in the 90s and nostalgia. Sure. I, I understand. Um why they were using that to pull people in, though. Because yeah. 90s nostalgia is such a thing right now. Yeah. It's sort of, yeah, because we're hitting the place where, I mean, 80s nostalgia was big, still is big, but we're finally hitting right. that place where... We're hitting the 30-year cycle for yeah. the 90s. Yeah, where people, well, it would be 20 years, but... Well, I thought it was called the 30 years. Maybe it is. I'm, just, I'm sure it is. I'm just saying we're about 20 years out from, well, we're 20 years out from 90. Six. I guess we are yeah. closer to 30 from the early 90s. Yeah. So fair enough. Um, yeah, you're right. That is the term for that thing. Uh, and so, yeah, the 80s are still big, but the 90s are starting to have their time because people like us, people our age who grew up in the 90s, you know, we're, we want our media <laughs> yeah. that uh, appeals to our sense of nostalgia, which this definitely does. And it's actually one of the more annoying things about not knowing weaker things of the show it was probably my biggest complaint about the show overall 
And it was just in, like, the first couple episodes. It was more so early, yeah. Yeah, like, the first two or three episodes, a lot of effort was devoted to reminding us that it took place in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, and it definitely felt distracting. And now maybe it would feel the same, and I, I haven't... I have some friends who grew up in the 80s who I haven't heard this complaint about Stranger Things, but I wonder if somebody who grew up in the 80s would feel similarly about sort mm -hmm. of how Stranger Things, maybe it does a similar thing where it beats you over the head with how 80s it is. Um, but that felt, especially like you said, the first couple episodes, it, that sort of drops a bit later on once they get more into the actual narrative right. of well, the season. Right. Well, that's the thing, I think. Like, for me, the big difference between something like Everything Sucks and something like Stranger Things, aside from the obvious genre difference. Yeah. Um, but as far as the nostalgia goes, Stranger Things was plot-driven immediately. Yeah. Whereas Everything Sucks kind of takes a couple takes episodes episode to hit its stride. Yeah. Um, so that... Heavy-handed nostalgia factor, I think, is a, a little more grating yeah. at first. Yeah, yeah, it is because it's definitely character-driven uh, in in a way that, or, or more so than I mean, there is a and then there is a plot that drives a lot of the story, but it doesn't hit until, like you said, the third or fourth episode, really. Yeah, and even then, it's only it's really secondary to what the characters are doing and what the characters are going through. Uh, in a way that Stranger Things isn't, even though that's also a very character-heavy show. It's it, there's a huge plot that mm -hmm. if it that the characters would have to react to regardless. Whereas in Everything Sucks, the the big plot point where they're going to make a film uh, could not or not have could or could not happen, and it wouldn't really affect anything. I mean, it would. It would change what the characters go through. But like in Stranger Things. There's what is happening is going to happen. Right. You know what I mean? Like well, there's, it is. there's the plot and the the characters are reacting to it, and that's where their character arcs come yeah. from in Stranger Things. With everything sucks, the plot happens because of the character. Because arcs. of the character, yeah, exactly. And so, uh, that, and yes, so they take that first couple episodes, and it's a little obnoxious. Um, but the thing I really liked about the show, and I don't want to get into spoilers, so I think I, I would highly recommend people if you like. Sort of, because uh, the genre it is that we kind of hit on, it's like a drama comedy, mostly comedy, with a bunch of, with sort of coming of age Yeah, drama. and there's some definitely some more serious stuff. You know what I think it would probably most compare to is like Freaks and Geeks. Oh, definitely. It was probably, yeah. probably, it's basically Freaks and Geeks set in the 90s, actually. It's basically, as opposed to set in this. Well, Freaks and Geeks was, was set. set no, well, it, was it was set in, um. It was like 99 when that came out. No, that's when it, it came out, but it was set in like the 80s. I thought it was set in the 90s. No, like I'm, early pretty sure 90s. Set in the I'm pretty sure it's set in the 90s. I don't think you should look it up. Because uh, maybe I the think very early 90s. I think it's set in the early 90s. Circa 1980. Growing up circa 1980. Really? Yeah, I, I'm telling you that's the 80s. Remember their house and how, how they're... Well, yeah, but they, like, listen to grunge and... No, no, they don't. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. He listens... They listen to, like, uh... They listen to, um... Well, what's his name? Jason Siegel listens to, uh, uh Rush and, like... They don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe the latest 80s, like, some, like, really early grunge stuff. But no, they don't. They go to, like, punk shows. That's one of the things is they go to, like, a punk show... They listen to like rock and like. It's, okay, I mean, but they all wear plaid button downs. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just telling saying. you, it is. 
It is the 80s. Attend William McKinley High School during the 1980-81 school year. I'm still saying it's the 80s. It's like just past that. Because remember there's disco? They go to a disco roller. There's a disco dancing thing. Yeah. To me, it looks more like the 90s. But maybe that's just because of when it was made. When it was produced, yeah. But no, this is from the 80s. So anyways, to me, this is the 90s version of Freaks and Geeks, basically. It's it's definitely a very similar narrative. And it has a lot of similar... Narrative beats, too. Yeah, it. and similar characters yes. and, char- and uh, character types. And uh, so uh, what it does is most successful, I thought, is that um, it, I would highly, like I said, I'm not going to get too big of spoilers, but I'd recommend go watching it. It's a pretty quick watch, and, it, and, it's, and it's fun. It's an entertaining show. Um, but it, the, the thing, that the heart of it that really sells it is the, the main two characters for me, uh, Luke yeah. and Kate. Oh, yeah, her name was Kate. Yeah. So the two main characters, Luke and Kate, um, to me, they're not only are they they really well written uh, and really interesting and have uh, the way they play off each other. They're also incredibly well acted and and by kids that are roughly the right age to play. Oh, yeah, they actually look like they're in high school. Pretty much everybody other than like one dude looks like an actual all look like actual high schoolers because they are. They're all like 14 or 15 when this was filmed. Um, They may not be quite, you know, freshman age, but they're pretty close. And that was what worked the most for me, especially in the early episodes. That was what kept me going until the show found its footing in like the third or fourth episode, because on top of the whole '90s beat you over the head, I had I had issues early on, and we we were we talked about this. We both did with some of the the other characters, oh, yeah. the side characters, particularly Luke's friends, um, and they're going for a similar thing with like Dustin and you know uh, like what's his name's friends in yeah. uh, Stranger Things, where they're you know they're really quirky and weird. They're the nerd nerdy kids, but they're so. Arch and oh, like they're so. I don't know, it's probably not the right group, but they're so over the top, and and I feel like they're written, especially in their first few scenes. It doesn't feel like kids that age that are kind of smart but nerdy and socially inept. It feels like a guy who was that at that age mm-hmm. writing it as an adult. as an adult, yeah. which is I'm sure what it was. Yeah. But it feels very obviously like that right. and very clunky and like... Right. They feel clunky and they feel like caricatures. Yes. They feel like caricatures and, and, and I'm like, no, kids don't talk like that. And like, and the same thing for like all of them, like the drama kids are like way over the top. I got to a point where I, it was so striking between the, how well written and acted the main two characters were and how like weird and over the top all of the side characters were. That I started to wonder if it wasn't on purpose, mm-hmm. that if it wasn't that, and now it, it peels away a little bit towards the second half of the season, so it made me think maybe it wasn't on purpose, but it felt like maybe early that what they were going for was, since our main two characters are sort of our POV characters, Luke and Kate, that everybody else was over the top because it's not so much, it, that it's basically how you remember the people from your high school. Yeah. Whereas the drama kids are so over the top and ridiculously like dramatic and like, like doing like these (laughs) weird, like, uh, shows in the lunchroom and like yelling at people across lunchrooms and standing on tables and like, you know, just like all this stuff. I was like, nobody in my high school ever, you know, ever did anything like that. Even the drama, you know, even the most insane (laughs) of the drama kids never did that. And so we never did that. No, 
and, and like his nerdy friends are so like obnoxiously like quick and nerdy and like you know quippy and, quippy and like yeah and 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 the, and the the principal is so bumbly and like you know goofy mm-hmm. and like I just I was like is this like what it is is are we like the only characters that are feel real are the two main characters and the rest of them feel like the caricatures that you kind of remember or vaguely think you remember from high school the thing is that that drops away yeah towards as the season progresses and they all start feeling like well right as we get deeper into their characters yeah. all of them become more nuanced yeah which is interesting in itself and which is it, it's, a, it's an interesting and cool thing to, to happen over the course of a show as you're watching it by itself it still felt like maybe they were finding the characters as they went yeah um which yeah it, it worked and it was really interesting uh and i thought that that balance it's i thought it was a really funny show i thought it had a lot of really funny moments um doesn't always hit some of it is a little some of the jokes don't hit don't land yeah uh and are a little cringy but then other moments land really well and i thought were really funny um and then i think the biggest thing though is how 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 great the performance is from the main two characters and how much that carries the show uh and everything they touch then gets better because of it and so like Mm -hmm. as they the relationship between kate and her father who's the principal he becomes a much more interesting character throughout the course of the show and then the same with luke and his mom Mm -hmm. and then uh kate and uh emmeline who's the drama girl in the show and ultimately becomes like the first couple episodes. She's like kind of a partial character, like, you know, unimportant. She's just, she's the drama guy's girlfriend. Yeah. She starts out kind of unimportant and kind of becomes the antagonist. Yeah. An antagonist for a couple episodes. Yeah. And then by the end of the season is like one of the main characters kind of, I mean, as other than the main two characters. Um, and I thought I would let you talk about it if you want, but I thought that storyline with her was really interesting. No, and really definitely. Well done. Um, and I, and I do think that that kind of mirrors how quickly things can change in high school. Yeah. You know, like one day somebody is your best friend and then the next day you're, you're not talking to them and. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. It, and it happens with a lot of the characters where it goes from. That, you know their relationships change very quickly and and very fleetingly and i saw some people i think on the internet complaining about that especially with like luke in the later half of the season with some of the like the, where he gets in tiffs with his friends and i'm like it, it almost feels like yeah like people forgot that stuff like that happened in high school yeah. like that you would have yeah, like even i mean even like your best friends you would get in spats where you didn't talk for a couple of days where he wasn't even like you were fighting it's just you know, whatever, something happened, you just, like, didn't, you know. Yeah. And I thought the show captures that really well. Uh, the music is fun because it's all 90s music. Um, and so, like, every episode was, like, music that really, you know, <laughs> spoke to me in the sense that I grew up listening to it. Um, other than the Ace of Bass song that they use because they don't use I Saw a Sign or whatever it's Yeah, called. they don't use the one Ace of Bass song that, that everybody everybody's knows. heard. They use uh, Life is Beautiful or whatever. The other something, one is something like that, which I'd also heard, but it just wasn't like their big song. Um, but yeah, and I, it touches on some really interesting uh, relationship stuff. Um, 
and sort of finding your sexuality, which is kind of cool for a show like that. Uh, for sort of like a, you know, a comedy mm-hmm. like that. Um, and treated it seriously. Yeah, and treats it really seriously. Yeah, they, yeah. They, sorry, I thought you were going to... Um, yeah, and the moments that are really serious, uh, I mean, it, it addresses mental health, it addresses sexuality, it addresses, uh, uh, like, having a parent not around mm-hmm. for whatever reason, um, a couple different reasons for the end of that matter in this show. It, I mean, it even touches on really serious issues with, like, um, relationships as an adult, like, yeah. after, <laughs> like, when you're no longer of, like, normal dating age and kind of re- how relationships like that work and, and how it relates to the kids. And, I, again, I'm trying not to spoil anything because I don't really want to spoil get into as much spoilers, but it really touches on lots of different really interesting things that not every show gets into, and I think it does them all pretty well. It's some of the more frivolous... Uh, other things that are the biggest problems with the show, like we said, like how much it hits you about how 90s it is and some of the writing with some of the minor mm-hmm. characters. But all of the actual important elements of the show that like really give it the heart. Oh, yeah, that's running at 100% yeah. of that stuff. Yeah, like all the the most important elements to me, I thought were spot on and, and really, um, really spoke to me and really and, and were really effective. And if they could tighten it up, you know five or ten percent on the rest of that stuff and hit it from the very beginning and it seems like we're definitely going to get a second season yeah based on where the first season ended uh assuming it's successful enough which i i'm not seeing a ton of people say they watch it but i've seen mm-hmm. a little bit of the chatter about it online so who knows hopefully they'll get a second season i hope so because i am i, I am really looking forward to yeah. seeing what happens yeah they they leave it at the end of the first season a lot of with a lot of you know balls in the air to an extent, I mean, it, it could end there and it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But there is some interesting stuff, definitely, that you would want to see what, what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they'll get a second season. I hope they will. And if they can hit the ground running and not have that first two or three episode kind of yeah, if finding they can, themselves. Like, keep the momentum that they yeah. built up from the last half yeah. of this first season. I think it'll be fantastic. Yeah, I think it'll be really good. And and maybe they can get one extra writer on to kind of do another pass on some of the, you know, some of the dialogue, mm-hmm. especially with some of the, I never had a single problem with any of the dialogue spoken by either of the two main characters. I don't think I ever had a single moment that that felt fake or weird or, or you know, clunky yeah it was only like minor characters and like ancillary characters so if they can somehow tighten that up uh it'll be an a plus as it is i I still maybe an a range it's really good um it's a lot of fun and it's a it's a nice quick watch which is always nice when you can just bust through a season in like two days because it's 10 20 minute episodes Mm -hmm. or whatever it's real easy to binge as it were so yeah go check out everything sucks on netflix maybe if enough people watch it all 200 of our listeners, they'll definitely make a second season. 100%. Let's move on to a very quick preview for A Wrinkle in Time. Close your eyes. See with mine. You were a top student, but look at you now. You can't keep using your father's disappearance as an excuse to act out. Wrinkle in Time comes out a week from Thursday or Friday, it I guess. It comes out, like, Friday, I think. Oh, it comes out Friday. Sorry, yeah. yes, not a week from 
Friday. Comes out this Friday. Uh, we're gonna have to go see it this weekend so we yeah. can have an episode for next Tuesday. Normally we go on to movies on Tuesdays because at our theater they're five dollars, but we'll have to spring for the normal yeah, price. We can tickets. go to a matinee. Yeah, go to a matinee on Sunday or something. <laughs> um, I'm interested for this one because uh, early reviews are mixed mm-hmm. from what I've seen. Uh, but I'm not gonna let that hinder my excitement because I don't still have any idea what the fuck this movie is. <laughs> And I'm really interested to see what it is. So tell me a little bit about the book, and then maybe that'll help me um, get in the right frame of mind. To be honest, I read this book in, like, the fifth grade, maybe, and I remember very little about it. Yeah. Um, it was kind of out of my wheelhouse at the time. I read mostly, like, fantasy, historical fiction, um, realistic fiction. This is sci-fi. Yeah. Um, so it was a little out of my wheelhouse, and I I remember like mildly enjoying it, mm-hmm. but it wasn't something that I ever wanted to pick back up again. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested to see how I feel about it now as an adult reader. Yeah. Um, now that I have consumed more sci-fi in the last. 20 some odd years. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have some fun facts here about the book. Uh, it was rejected by 26 publishers wow. before it found a home um, for reasons that included being too unlike anything else that was in the market at that time. Okay. Um, having complex content but young protagonists. Um, Publishers worried that the content was too complex for children, but adults wouldn't want to read about kids. And, dun-dun-dun, being a science fiction book with a female lead. Oh, my God. I know. What year was this? Um, It... Won the Newbery Medal in 1960. Well, it's good to know we've come so far. <laughs> so far. All right, right. Now people aren't as mad that the main character is a woman. They're more mad that she's black. So, you know, so far. True. So far. True. <laughs> also, <laughs> if, if they could have found a reason to be mad that it was a woman, they would have. They just had an easier excuse because she was black. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. So, yeah, it won the Newbery Medal, though. So, uh, poo-poo to all of those 26 publishers. Um, The author was completely unbothered by the book being uncategorizable. She stated that her writing was for anyone. Mm -hmm. Anybody could read it. Mm -hmm. So she wasn't really terribly concerned about it fitting into a specific genre or a section of the bookstore. I mean, based on what you said there, the movie does. <laughs> From what I've said, I mean, I'm, I think I've seen one or two trailers. I mean, I know we've seen it a couple times before movies were seen in theaters. I haven't really gone out of my way to watch much apart from that. Mm-hmm. But it looks uncategorizable. Yeah. It looks like it would be impossible to film. I mean, like, I, I don't even know what the story is, but, like, just looking at it, I'm like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. Yeah. It reminds me in that sense kind of like 
at least some of the elements of I, I always remember when I read Hitchhiker's Guide, I was like, this would be a nightmare to film in its entirety. And you can cut a lot of stuff out mm-hmm. and film it, but it's so all over the place. And now maybe I'm sure it's very different in terms of like style, but just like it was that same thing where I'm like this. I, I don't know how you would film this. And when I was watching the trailers for A Wrinkle in Time, I was like, I, I mean, I get the premise. Her dad's missing. Yeah. But like. What is the rest of it's, this? <laughs> like it, it's about like, um, like jumping dimensions, yeah. like interdimensionality and yeah. like quantum leaps right, and right, right, right. Uh, nonlinear time. Um, so the, the author, Madeline Langle, I think was how we decided. Langle. Langle. Yeah. Um, my entire life, I've never been sure. But we found a sound recording of her daughter yep. saying it. So, Langle. Um, she had a lot of interests in, like, science. Um, a lot of them sparked by the works of Albert Einstein. So, that's cool. Huh, that's cool. Um, she based the protagonist on herself. As all authors do. Yeah. Secret. Yeah. <laughs> There's always an author insert character. Yeah. Um. And A Wrinkle in Time is pretty well known. It's one of those books that a lot of kids read when they're growing up, although you missed it. I never even heard of it (laughs) until this movie was announced. Um, It's actually the first in a four-book series known as The Time Quintet. Now, I never read any of the other books. They're not as famous, not as popular. Um, I'm sure they're good. I just never read them. Maybe I'll want to after I read this. Who knows? A Wrinkle in Time is also one of the most frequently banned books of all time. Really? Yes. It has been accused of being both anti-Christian and too religious. Wow. Well, that's interesting. Interesting. (laughs) I'll be the judge of that. (laughs) (laughs) No. But, uh, huh. Which do you think it is? Uh, I don't really remember. Oh, you haven't reread it yet? No, I haven't reread it. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) you have till this weekend. Get on it. It's it's like a hundred and some odd pages. I'll be fine. Okay. Um, I mean, I know that like the author is interested in a lot of like like big ideas, like not only scientific ideas, but like philosophical and religious ideas. Um, and this book is kind of like a mishmash. Yeah. Of all that stuff that she's interested in. Yeah. I don't remember it being particularly religious, but as we touched on in the episode on the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, maybe I was not so good at picking up on that as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so um, and that's another thing that I'm kind of excited to see how I feel about it now as an adult. Like, you know, maybe I'll read it and I'll be like, this isn't that religious. Or maybe I'll be like... Wow, this is super religious. Yeah. So, hmm. tune in next time to find out. Yeah. Um, the author, though, Langle, on that uh, topic, stated in an interview, it seems people are willing to damn the book without reading it, as people are wont <laughs> as to do. people are wont to do. Uh, nonsense about witchcraft and fantasy. First, I felt horror, then anger. And finally, I said, ah, the hell with it. It's great publicity, really. There you go. And banning a book is great it, publicity for the book. Generally speaking, <laughs> banned books do better, yes. 
there's a famous anecdote of it's not a book, but a famous anecdote of uh, I have an anecdote of video of Kevin Smith when I think it was Dogma came out. He went out and protested his own movie to try to drum up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's an interview of him somewhere, like. <laughs> Holding up a sign, like protesting his movie outside a theater, and he gets like interviewed by the local oh news. God. Yeah, something like that. Anyways. Hmm. So, despite being um, one of the most frequently banned books ever, this book has done very well. It's been incredibly successful, and it has also inspired actual scientists. Um, American astronaut Janice Voss, who went up a couple times in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I had to look her up. But uh, she once told Langle that A Wrinkle in Time inspired her career path, was what inspired her hmm. to become an astronaut. And she requested a copy of the book to bring to space with her. That's cool. Also, um, in 2013, the International Astronomical Union honored Langle's memory by naming a crater on Mercury's South Pole after her. Hmm. So she has her own crater on Mercury. Nice. <laughs> Probably one of the lamest planets to have a crater on, <laughs> but it's better. I mean, I don't have any craters, so yeah. what can I say? We are both craterless, <laughs> as it were. Yes. Huh. Do you have any movie facts? Because the only thing I have left is something about the made-for-TV version in 20, 2003. That was going to be one of my facts, was that it was adapted once already, mm-hmm. but I mean, I didn't, so... Yeah, I have a couple movie facts, and I say a couple, very few. Um, one was that, yes, there was a 2003 version, which I'll let you get to here in a second. Uh, I know the one thing I didn't know about it, and I only saw it today when I was looking up info, was I saw that it stars the kid from Little Soldiers. Or uh, Small Soldiers. I don't know what you're talking about. There's a Disney, I think it was Disney movie in like the early 2000s called Small Soldiers. It's about a bunch of action figures that come to life. Like the Indian in the cupboard? Well, yeah, kind of. But they're they're action figures that get, like, uh, super advanced, like, computer chips put in them to, like, make them, like, the world's coolest toy. But then they end Mm -hmm. up, like, becoming sentient. They become (laughs) self-aware. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And then there's, like, there's, like, good guys and bad guys of them. And then they end up fighting. Hmm. But the bad guys are kind of, like, like, misunderstood and, like. The good guys, like the cool GIs, are like insane I military have people. No memory of Anyways, this. <laughs> the kid from that movie uh, is like the oldest okay. sibling or something in in uh, the 2003 version. Anyways, this one comes out this Friday. It is directed by Ava DuVernay, who is probably most famous for Selma, mm-hmm. uh, which was the Martin Luther King. Right. Uh, I, don't, I don't. It's not necessarily a biopic because I think it's about a very specific moment. In, it's about the Selma, the events that mm-hmm. took place at Selma. Um, but she was also, uh, she's done a ton of stuff. She's worked on 100 movies or something like that. Like she, she's, in the words of Drake, she started from the bottom, now she's here. Like she has, like, her <laughs> credits are like, she was like, um, did like promotional services and like a publicist. I think like a lot of like publicist stuff on like uh, a bunch of different movies, but like literally like Spy Kids. She was oh. a publicity consultant, scary movie, um, Candyman, Day of the Dead, like all these like weird, just random, like she started in this whole different thing and then eventually got a chance to uh, to produce and then eventually direct, I think, was kind of the order she went. Uh, also really well known for, uh, I think it was a Netflix original documentary, 13th, mm-hmm. uh, which was a uh, 
an expose, maybe it's not the right word, of uh, the criminal justice system in America and racial inequality and mm-hmm. how that relates back to the 13th Amendment and that sort of thing, um, which was supposedly really good. I didn't get a chance to see it. It was nominated, I think, for an Oscar for Best Documentary last year, I think. Um, a couple other things. Queen Sugar is a TV show. Uh, and then her other, like her first big movie was This is the This the this in the life or, or this is the life i think it's this in the life um but so she's a, a very successful filmmaker uh and she was actually the first woman of color to direct a film with a budget over 100 million dollars wow it's kind of a big deal good for her yeah um so i'm excited to see it i don't i've never actually seen any of her movies that she's directed or produced uh cuz like i said i didn't i didn't get a chance to see selma mhm they're all like really. It's interesting because she does a lot of like. They're all like kind of like dramas, mm-hmm. like pretty intense dramas. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to like be in the mood for that. <laughs> like it's not like this is like a you know a nice fun adventure movie, sci-fi, whatever. I don't you know I don't know how heavy it gets at any point, but all the rest of her movies tend to be pretty like. Whew. I think it might get a little heavy. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm, sorry, I'm sure it will. <laughs> I'm just saying. Comparatively, right. this is like a, this is like a, a little kids bit. Movie. Yeah, this is a kids uh, Disney movie. It's yeah. a little bit out of what she's done as a director so far. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Like we said, the sort of early take I've seen is that it's some people really like it, some people man nah, not so much on it. You know what else I see is that a lot of idiots who haven't seen the movie giving it one star. Yeah. On IMDb, it has like a four out of ten on IMDb. This movie isn't out yet. Has like four hundred reviews, and like two hundred of them are two hundred of them are one star reviews. Some fucking idiots, yeah, got their panties all in a bunch that they dare cast. Oh no, a person of color in a in a role that was a white girl or whatever. I don't even know. Well, it's just the leftist cultural yeah. Marxists. They're ruining the world or whatever. That's what the problem is. Well, we'll uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, what about this 2003 movie? What do we got? Um, so this was uh, just a little tidbit that I came across um, while I was looking, like poking through interviews with uh, the author mm-hmm. and things. Um, the 2003 Disney made-for-TV um, film version, which was apparently laughably bad. Interesting. Um was in a Newsweek interview. They asked her if that movie adaptation met her expectations. And she replied, yes, I expected it to be bad. And it is. (laughs) Well, there you go. Done. So I'm looking forward to that level of sass in this book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She was also at the very end of her life. At that point, because she died in 2007, I think I saw. So she had zero fucks left to give at that point. (laughs) (laughs) But good for her. All right, A Wrinkle in Time. This Friday, a new episode next Tuesday. Go out and see it this weekend. And then you can talk, you can see, do you agree with our take on it, what we thought of the film? This will probably be the first one. I mean, we always kind of do a mini review, but we'll probably do a bit bit more of a, like, review, review, and what we thought about it as opposed to just a that's all we got for this episode until next time keep reading books keep watching movies go see a wrinkle in time come back for next week's episode of this film is lit boom boom